the IAB Australia podcast. Digital advertising leaders and the issues that matter. How do we make it simple? Try to stop a lot of the buzzwords. A chance to change the way a whole industry works. For more information, visit iabaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the IAB Australia podcast. I'm Gayla Roy, CEO of the IAB in Australia. In today's podcast, we're going to chat about a topic that's much discussed where it's often hard to get data and meaningful insights, and that is kids or youth. Um, we're going to get under the hood of youth culture, media consumption, commerce habits and influence. And to help us on that journey, we're joined by two incredibly passionate industry leaders who are going to share some results from a new research report, Youth First Digital Insights, and provide advice for marketers in this space. Let me welcome Alice Almeida, who's Head of Data and Insights for Totally Awesome. Welcome, Al. Thank you. And Belinda Castledon, who's Head of Marketing APAC for Totally Awesome. Welcome, Belinda. Thanks, Gay. Um, Alice and I have worked in the past, uh, worked together in the past at Fairfax, and Belinda and I have been on, on journeys together. So hopefully it'll be a chat between three good friends. Firstly, the company name Totally Awesome. When you tell people you work for Totally Awesome, do they think you're doing like a, you know, a, a sort of a stoner 80s movie <laughs> title or how does that go down? It, it, it gets mixed responses and I think you're probably right. People go, what? That's the name of the company? But as a marketer, it allows us to play off some really good sort of, you know, language. You know, we have a lot internally around, you know, awesomeness and and you know, how do we bring all of that to what we do in, in I guess, our business and also what we offer our clients. Yeah, and awesome. I think when you say it's a kid's or it's a youth company, they go, oh, okay, mm. <laughs> makes sense. Fantastic. <laughs> well, let's get to know you two first because we love hearing about how people, you know, how they got into the industry and why they stay. Alice, what's what was the origin story for you I think I know a lot of your career journey but where did it all kick off yeah well I did an environmental science degree at university because I had every intention of going back to Norfolk Island where I'm from to uh you know work in the national parks and stuff there somehow I stumbled into advertising sales at channel nine and got obsessed but then was told I was useless at sales and I should possibly I was actually told that I didn't just shut up and take the money, that I asked too many questions. So they said you'd be really well suited in insights. And I started in insights in 2003 and have been doing it since across digital, outdoor, um, a bit of TV, but predominantly digital. And I absolutely love it. I love being able to kind of track trends and to get inside people's minds and so if there is somebody that's considering a career in this and you are inquisitive and you do love to get to the heart of what makes people tick then this is definitely the the space of the industry to go into fantastic and that's your day job now right so insights yeah that's totally yeah. awesome it is it is so I lead a pretty fabulous team um, I might be massively biased but I think they are fabulous across APAC um, and we can do anything from running a custom research project for a client to running ad, ad effectiveness studies to the big annual research piece, which we're going to be chatting about today, the Youth First Digital Insights. Um, now, that is, you know, when I say it's big, it is mammoth. It's a six to eight month project. Um, so a lot of our time is spent 
you know, doing that. But we also have to have our finger on the pulse, you know, what's mm. hot, what's not. Um, and this generation moves very quickly. They go from loving something to cancelling something to loving something to cancelling something. So it's it's a constant battle to keep up to date with what's new and what's hot. Fantastic. Can't wait mm. to hear what, what is, what, what's hot right now. Belinda, how about you? Your journey is slightly different. Very much so, although I think Alice and I share a passion for insights and for me it's really taking those insights to impact. I started life as a marketer and my background really is strategy, marketing, communications, FMCG and retail and I I really had a classical marketing trajectory in those early days, sort of, you know, starting off as a little marketing assistant and working my way up and then made the jump quite strategically to join um, Woolworths and get into retail and I was very fortunate to have many opportunities there and I got to really get inside the bones of what you know running a business is doing everything from marketing and merchandising to strategy and strategic projects like developing and launching Thomas Duck's Grocer and even a little stint in supply chain and it really gave me a great foundation for that commercial world and I, I guess I bring that to my marketing to make sure that it's not just about great ideas and and being creative it's really about making sure that it is you know sound business opportunities that can be sustainable and convert you know and build brands and businesses for the long term and that's my passion is building brands and businesses and I'm really fortunate with this role within Totally Awesome is that I get to do all the things I love like brand and communication and marketing and really start to accelerate our youth-first positioning in the in the world and, and to build a brand that is known for nothing other than youth and youth safety. Fantastic. Let's stick with you and find out, I guess, why you do this research because you know Alice will take us that through the how and some of the insights in a minute but just strategically for Totally Awesome as a company why is it important to um, undertake this research? I think there's two parts to that um, Gay. Really our business has such a strong ethos and a sense of purpose around youth and doing the right thing for Um, children and young adults and that's from everything from youth safety but also being making sure that we are setting them up for a positive experience in a digital world and one of the things that attracted me to this organization is that shared sense of purpose and alignment so it really is in the bones and at the heart of everything we do is youth. I think the other thing is that and you know it's almost a little bit kind of motherhood to say but if you're going to market to an audience like this you need to understand them and you need to understand what their needs and their wants are and and, you know all their attitudes and behaviors and make sure that you are meeting them where they want to be met and you know that's why fundamental to what we do is understanding them about that. I think the other thing about Totally Awesome which I find incredible is we not only have this extensive amount of research that we do um, is that we also have an in-house psychology team and that psychology team brings the insight and the scientists scientific evidence-based learning to understanding kids and we know from research 
that kids are or young adults are having a lot of their firsts and they're engaging with brands um, quite early. And then we overlay that with the psychology to say, well, actually they're starting to build brand affinity from as young as two and they have awareness and that's really powerful from a, a marketing perspective because this is an audience that you can build for the future. Yeah, awesome. So, Alice, let's get into the details. And firstly, I mean, you know, my background is is, is similar yeah. to yours in insights and I know how tricky it is to ethically Ooh. and affordably, you know, talk to kids and get those insights. How, how do you go about this study? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, we need to flag that we don't capture any data whatsoever on our audience. So coming from major publisher world where we captured just about every ounce of data we could to a, to a network where we don't capture anything, we were actually, um, we're all about contextual environments. Um, but we needed to know about the audience. We needed to know where they were, what games they were playing, what apps they were using, what YouTube content they were watching. Um, so this is where Insights was feeding not just, you know, um, into marketing and, and to sales, but also internal strategy as well. Um, so you talked about the complexity and the expense of this. So we only work with reputable uh, research panel providers. We have a um, preferred relationship with Pure Profile at the moment um, because we have interrogated their panel like nothing else. Um, and we just feel that they've got the strongest and most respectable panels APAC-wide. So it's important to note this research is across 14 markets in APAC. So when I talk about the complexities, I'm also talking about multiple languages, um, multiple different legislation by region on how you can survey kids. So it's not as easy as just chucking a survey out there. Uh, one of the things that we do is we will only survey kids under the age of 16 by their parents. Um, so instead of looking at that as a roadblock, we look at that as an opportunity because it's really important to get the parents' perspective as well. So we usually chuck a couple of questions their way. Um, but predominantly it's the parents there that are doing the survey for us to their kids, um, which in some cases uh, is really helpful because uh, well, I work very closely with Amanda Abel, our paediatric psychologist, um, because I might be writing a questionnaire that's going to a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, 16 and 24-year-old. And the languages that you'd use, even just to the age ranges, would be significantly different. So sometimes I'd write a questionnaire and, and Amanda would come in and say, there's no chance a four-year-old's going to know what that is. And we can't rely on the parent to be able to, you know, interpret the question and to translate it into four-year-old talk. Um, so there are a lot of complexities to the research that I've never experienced having just researched adults in my <laughs> the rest of my career. Um, but we do have very strict policies in place. Um, as I said, we only go through the parents. We get the parents' assistance where we can. Um, we have an incredible team that uh, monitors it very closely and we also have a group of translators as well <laughs> that helps us with the interpretation at the back end. Um, so it is a very complex yeah research piece, but it's possibly the biggest and the best um, and the most beneficial that I've done in my career. Fantastic. Well, let's, mm. let's stick with you, Alison. Let's find out some of the, I guess, the findings for the from the survey, mm -hmm. um, what it tells us, particularly about those influencing factors of different age groups. 
yeah. how they're discovering information, who do they trust? Tell us, tell us everything. Yeah, look, I ca- we can't kind of step away from the role and responsibility that friends and family have um, uh, for word of mouth, for researching, for discovering products. Um, but what's interesting is you'll have kids that will go to their their parents um, for discovery and and for well, to purchase it in the end. But you'll have teenagers that won't go to their parents at all. They'll go to their teens. So they'll go to their social group to, to kind of find out about new products and stuff like that. Um, but the area that we've seen grow quite a bit in the last 12 months, 12 to 24 months, is influencers on social media. Um, and I think that's to do with there's so much legislation that's come in around influencers and the fact that they have to list that it is a sponsored post or an ad and that has boosted their credibility and also their trust score with people. Um, so influencers are a very big influence of both across researching products and discovery of products. So um, that was one of the biggest, I think, discovery shifts that we that we mm. came across. Um, but I, I think it's also really important to note that this generation that's coming through um, they are becoming, they are, as Belinda said up front, they are being exposed to brands from a very young age and they are having that relationship with that brand and that brand is sticking. So if there's brands out there that aren't talking to kids and teens um, or you know, even 18 to 24-year-olds, then they're missing out because that relationship is already being um, made and connected well before they're considered an actual consumer. And, and how much are they aware of, I guess, the the social element of brands? Are they thinking about, you know, <clears throat> responsible brands and what they stand for? Yeah, so up until 12 months ago, um, some of the biggest factors on how they decide what brand to purchase from were social. So it was environmentally friendly, it was ethical, it was sustainable, um, you know, it was all about equality and that kind of stuff. In the last 12 months, we've seen another factor rise from the bottom, come up to the top, and that's price and affordability. Mm. So the cost of living is really shifting how they are spending. So they are still really strong on all those other social values, and they are very quick to kind of cancel a brand if they feel it doesn't fit within their values. But the leading factor to purchase a product at the moment now is price um, and affordability. And what is interesting is there's, you know, there was a post yesterday about the Roy Morgan Trust um, results. Um, And Amazon was one of the um, most distrusted brands, yet Amazon was one of the most popular retail brands for this generation. Why? It's cheaper and they get get it delivered within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we have to balance the whole social values with at the end of the day in the cost of living crisis, they want something that's reliable, cheap and fast. Um, and so that's that's another interesting shift that we've seen happen in the last 12 months. Okay. Any other things that came through that were surprising for you or new? Uh, look, I think the other... I could rattle off um, multiple, multiple things, but I do know we have a time limit, so I'll keep doing it. <laughs> But I think one of the other really interesting findings was the shift away from traditional social media into gaming platforms. And I don't mean gaming platforms to game, I mean gaming platforms to socialise. So we are seeing a lot of um, teenagers and 18 to 24-year-olds that are now 
hanging out with their friends in a gaming environment. So it's, it hasn't just, it's no longer just the place where you go to to play a video game. Um, it's now where kids are rushing home from school and it's the new play date, right? So they're, they're meeting their friends in this online world. Uh, we call it their second world. Um, we've done quite a lot of research around the mental health benefits of gaming. I did this with Amanda Abel, the pediatric psychologist. Um, and what we found is the reason that this is becoming so popular for this generation that's coming through is they can be their ideal self online. So they might not be able to be their ideal self in real life, which is actually quite sad, but the avatars that they're building in a gaming space, in an online space, re represents who they really see themselves as. Um, and so they, we've obviously cover this um, quite a bit in in the full deck but I think the shift from the traditional social media platforms into this gaming space was one of the biggest shifts that we've seen in the last 12 months as well yeah interesting I think the, I think the other thing too Gay is that gaming's not just about the activity of playing a game anymore they're also consuming out um, content to do with gaming and they're very active in the gaming space beyond the game so from a branding perspective, it's so important that you are engaging with them in this space because they are not just in the game, it's around the game and beyond the game. Yeah, yeah. it's such a meta idea. I know when my kids who are now old, but when they first started watching people play games, it really did my head in. But yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's such a big part of the gaming industry. Yeah, it is. And gaming influencers and gaming video content is the is the most popular across all influencers and all video content is gaming content. So I can't, I, I feel like a broken record, but I can't harp on about how big gaming is for this generation. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of work being done to make, try and make that world sort of more inclusive. Mm. And um, there was a, we, we had a gaming summit recently and I think it was Nike that did um, a case study on trying to show men how it could be for women but you know you could yeah. put that to any sort yeah. of different people and, and how you know to really make those environments a lot safer and more friendly and inclusive and hopefully some of those even though we all like as teenagers playing characters right we all like trying on different outfits yeah. and you know which is what they're doing in the gaming environment but you know that people can be themselves as well yeah yeah um, and, you know, Alice, I, I've, I've gone through some of the findings. One thing that blew my mind a little bit and I felt like an old grumpy person maybe, <laughs> um, but was the amount of devices that sort of mm. quite young people have access to mm. um, and, and ownership of. So um, I yeah. think even like watches and smart devices smart watches, yeah, really high. <laughs> so um, the smart watches blew me away because I don't have a smart watch and I'm 42. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to have to crack and get one, but yeah, the the, the percentage of kids that had a smartwatch was like thirty percent, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you you know that's three out of ten kids is walking around with a smartwatch. Um, but I think the other interesting finding is, uh, ten years ago, kids were given their parents hand-me-down phones. Mm. It was the parents that were upgrading to the next model, and they were giving their old phone to their kids. These days, 56% are actually have a new model phone. So kids are now getting the latest Samsung, the latest iPhone. Um, it, it was just, it was really mm. eye-opening because, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent of a five-year-old and she's not getting a phone until she's 18. <laughs> <laughs> See how long, how long that lasts. But um, 
it's it's just amazing just seeing how it's just become the norm for a kid to get a brand new latest model phone. Like wow. it's in, yeah. in your research next year, you need to find out if the parents are getting the secondhand ones. <laughs> yes. From a sustainability point of view, I'd like to know what that sort of life cycle looks like for a, yeah. For a device. Yeah. I think the other thing too, guys, they're not just getting a basic phone, they're getting smartphones. Mm. So they're getting phones that are, you know, expensive and have, a lot more to them than you know maybe what they used to certainly when they were younger or when I was younger it was a very basic phone that really only was good for phone calls. So, so on, on that Belinda so there's obviously a lot of responsibility for marketers and device manufacturers and media companies all of us in the ecosystem to um, communicate market responsibly to children. Um, what sort of advice would you give any marketers listening to this to um, communicate with children in a positive, safe, you know, um, encouraging way that's responsible? Well, as, as Alice said, we're a business based on zero data, contextual intelligence solutions. So we put a lot of emphasis around that youth safety and youth responsibility component and making sure that we not only adhere to whatever the legislations are in the various markets, but we're also involved in the conversations and driving the discussions with governments. Um, so at the moment, we're doing a lot of work with the Singapore government. And obviously, we've recently had some stuff going on in Australia around privacy laws. So it's very much at the forefront of what we do is making sure that we are responsible. I think it's important to note that even with all those challenges around making sure that you've got consent and, and how you market to, you know, people under a certain age, is it is possible. And as Alice has said, they're a highly valuable audience. And this idea that they're not unreachable or that you can't market to them is it really doesn't hold. You can and you can reach them. And we know from all the work that we can do that when you do target them or reach them and market to them, there is a, an ability to increase your business because they're a highly valuable and highly influential audience. And, you know, we learned from the research, there was a number of things, I guess, that came out of that that I would recommend for brands. So off the, you know, the back of what Alice has said, you've got to start looking at integrated marketing campaigns. You've got to move beyond, I guess, the old sort of just a TV mix kind of thing and start looking at these new new ideas around gaming and influencers. And we know in Australia that if you add gaming into that TV mix, you'll get a 33% increase in your reach. That's massive. Yeah, it's huge. That's a huge yeah. opportunity for any marketer. So why would you not get into gaming? Um, and then you have all the stuff that Alice has talked about, how it has such a positive um, part of their world. So when, you know, people are engaged and they're feeling positive about something, then they're going to be more responsive to your brand. So I would recommend that people look at an integrated kind of marketing campaign. To Alice's point, you've got to be in gaming. Um, it is their new social. It is where they are and it's where you can start to build really good connection with them. Off the back of the commentary around mobile phones, you've got to make sure that you are optimising your creative for mobile because they are probably consuming it on their phone and it's so important that they are able to connect with that. Be there first. So 
to me, this is a huge opportunity. You want to be there when they start forming these connections and making those decisions. So be there first. And, and you know, as a, years of marketing and consumer products, I know that if you get in when they're young, chances are they're probably still going to be with you when they're a bit older. So this is about building long-term loyalty. To the point Alice made around values, it's, it's really important that you align to their values. I think they they are very passionate about what they're passionate about and so you, you want to make sure that you are connecting with them on that level. And I guess really to our earlier discussions, I guess it's really important that brands and marketers and agencies are exploring new solutions that focus on youth and that are really ensuring that they're youth safe and privacy compliant and really at the heart of it it's about being brave and stepping into new opportunities and also being responsible. Yeah I feel like we need a whole other podcast on I'm fascinated to sort of hear how agencies and clients are thinking about gaming creative and messaging because I think you know that's a that's a space that sometimes traditional agencies haven't had a lot of experience in so getting that right could be quite tricky but we'll park that one um the the other stat apart from the the smartphone um number that blew me away was um which i'm so glad you put this question in was use of sort of ai products and i imagine it was quite timely it would have been just as chat gpt was launching Mm -hmm. um and how many were already accessing that um is it for alice i don't know how deep you went into this is it was it, is it just for homework? Is it what's the what's the what are the use cases? So, funnily enough, by region it differs greatly um, and and massively in Southeast Asia and the likes of Hong Kong. Um, ChatGPT is now part of their everyday life, and a lot of them use it for schoolwork, for work, um, you know, for general usage such as research and stuff like that. In Australia. The number one reason is entertainment and fun. So we still haven't embraced the seriousness. This is obviously kids and teens. Haven't embraced the seriousness of it all. But the fact is the awareness level of chat GPT amongst kids and teens, uh, I think it was around 60%. So um, there's quite a strong awareness considering mm. it's it's not something that's been around for too long. Um But when it comes to ChatGPT, it's still kind of a bit of an entertainment tool. But we asked a question around AI, and AI is treated quite differently to ChatGPT. So Mm -hmm. AI, in in the eyes of kids and teens, there's like this cautious excitement about it. They're excited about where it could possibly go, but they're also terrified about where it could possibly go. And there's still so much unknown in this space. Even for us, there's still so much unknown in this space. You know, one day you'll read an article about how AI is going to cure cancer and the next day you'll read one saying that robots are going to kill us all. And so for a kid's mind, they're kind of going, hang on, where's this going? And so it is giving them cautious excitement. So... Um, yeah, this is a, this was a last-minute inclusion to the research, which I'm really glad we ran with because um, it was really interesting even just to look by market at just how different it was and how a little bit backward Australia might be in this space in comparison to the rest of Asia. Yeah, and um, you're both very engaged parents. I know, <laughs> I know that. And, Alice, your guys might be a little bit young, but are, are they using 
any AI or sort of? No. Tools? No. no. So I, I've got an 18-month-old and a five-year-old. Yeah. Um, I think my, my five-year-old will work in AI in some way. <laughs> she, is, she, she wants to be an astronaut and so she's, she's obviously got her sights set high. Fantastic. Um, my second will be a front rower. She's an <laughs> chalk and cheese. So awesome. no, they haven't had any exposure to, to she'll, AI. She'll need a smartwatch to track her activity. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Fantastic. How about yours, Belinda? Oh, I'm at the other end of the spectrum. So I have teenagers mm. and um, so two 18s and a 14-year-old and they very much mirror, I guess, the research findings. Probably maybe not so excited, more curious. They've, so they've dabbled in it, they've gone and had a look at it, um, but they're really cautious and maybe because they're a bit older they also kind of are seeing what's coming back and they're questioning it and going, mm. well, that's not right. So I think some of the, the quirks that exist, particularly in something like ChatGPT, where sometimes it does come back with something that is totally... Yeah, the hallucination, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they they recognise that. They they maybe not so much for entertainment. It's been dabbled in in terms of school, yeah. not so much to write assignments. Well, at least that's not what they're telling me. But it could be a completely different story. But really, just to almost like a search engine. So help me find a you know a quote from Shakespeare that I can use in this particular essay. So I think that is where it has opportunity for kids, and yeah. obviously from, I guess, a totally awesome perspective, but also from a, a parent perspective, there needs to be some sort of guardrails and guidelines and, and really some education as to how they use these tools because young kids don't understand that every time they write something into a, a prompt on ChatGPT, mm. that becomes part of the history. Oh, and, yeah. and, and so from a privacy perspective, we... We very much advocate for making sure that those guardrails and guidelines and, and I guess the digital literacy that's required for kids is put into place. But it's a new space and yeah. at the moment they're really, just yeah, curious. Really, really interesting and interesting for brands going forward too in terms mm, of Very much so. All right. I think we're going to have to stop it here though. I'd love to keep chatting. Um, if people want to get more information about the research and the report, um, just reach out to Totally Awesome. Is that the best way? Yeah, so we have a, an email address, info at totallyawesome.tv, so they can reach out to us um, to us by that. And I guess both Alice and I are open to people contacting us directly, happy to have a chat. We will be um, doing some bespoke reports. We'll have white papers, so there'll be a lot more detail happy to to talk through I guess the findings with you on a one-on-one -on -one basis brilliant thanks both have a wonderful rest of the day and um, look forward to chatting to you again soon thank you Great. thanks Gay The IAB Australia podcast, digital advertising leaders and the issues that matter. For more information, visit iabaustralia.com.au.